So hello and welcome to the Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So today I am very excited actually to have Corinne Grillo with us today, who has recently released her book, Angel Wealth Magic. And I'm particularly interested in this because of the angel aspect, because I have to say, I have been a little bit judgy about angels in the past. And my, I guess my first experience of like really coming across angels was when I first got into everything alternative, I guess it would have been back when I was a wee lass. There was a certain type of person that liked angels and I didn't want to be associated with that type of person, you know, away from the Christian energy. And then, yeah, (laughs) if people could see Corinne now, she's like, yes, that's the person I'm talking to, Rebecca, that judgy person that's like, angels, really? Give me a fairy, give me a gnome. (laughs) That's fine, dragons, bring them in. But when I was thinking just before um, the show today, I was like, have I ever experienced angels? Because I've always been quite like, oh, when people think there's an angel with them, it's just their higher self, you know, which, you know, of course, what isn't? But I remember, then I suddenly remembered when I was quite a bit younger, I used to walk to work very early to be able to catch a bus. And it was so early, there wasn't really that many people around. And if they were, they're a little bit sketchy. And I always remember walking and having these enormous columns of white light next to me. And I was like, oh, that was because I wasn't really like at that point into magic or into anything like that at the time so much. But I do remember having that very protective energy. So with that, with that huge introduction about my experience about angels, Corin, welcome to the show. Talk ah. to me about angels. Oh, thank you. Well, that's a that's a loaded topic, but yeah, I loved your introduction because because of you know, especially because you're just owning the fact that you kind of were a little judgy about some of some of the angel folk. And the thing is, is that so am I, and yeah. and I was um, kind of had the same vibe. Can can you tell me like what for you was kind of like the kind of the bad the bad kind of the rub and the impression? Yeah, and you have to remember, I am talking like just to protect, you know, just to defend myself slightly. Yeah. Probably about 20 something sure. years ago. And I went to my first like mind, body, spirit festival. And uh-huh. the people that liked the angels were, you know, I was in my very late teens then, were an angel. But, you know, were people probably about my age, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wearing all their tie dye and all their crystals and yes. all those things. I was like, really? Um, yeah. But obviously, my experience has changed over the years. I haven't, apart from like, I'm like, oh, I don't think I've had an angel experience. And I'm like, oh, actually, I think I have uh-huh. <laughs> with that angel that. energy there. I love it. So yeah, what what was, In that- how do you, how did the angel show up for you? Because clearly it wasn't like tie-dye crystals, middle-aged yeah. woman type energy. But no, no, sorry, no judging this person. I have changed. I know, I know. I, and I love that you're mentioning that. I love that you're mentioning that because it's just in general, like we have this notion of what spiritual, quote unquote, or mm. new age, quote unquote, or angel folk, quote unquote, should look like. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's important to kind of know that there's no uniform or no specific mm. type of person um, that uh, believes in angels um, because angels are for everyone. And yeah, so so for me, um, I, I had an angel encounter and that's what kind of dialed me in to the fact that angels 
were real. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. any old casual encounter. It was a full-blown miracle. And I, after I had that miracle, it was so mind-blowing and actually super life-changing. But I, I had essentially what I call angel shame for a while, where I didn't say out loud what had happened, but the radical change inside of me and the connection with the angelic world was so loud and profound that a certain at a certain point, I had to start naming it because I'm a licensed yeah. psychotherapist. And when I was doing my sessions, I would feel angels come into the room, start hearing messages that they wanted me to share with the person sitting in front of me, who's there talking about postpartum depression. And and so it took me a while to actually be like, I have, would you be willing to hear something weird that I have to say? Uh, Cause do you, do you believe in angels? Cause you don't really have to, but I felt like there's an angel here. And, and so eventually I caved, I broke down my own inner mm. wall and judgment <laughs> about 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 it. And when I did that act, when I started really truly owning the miracles that were happening in my life and the shifts that were happening and also the wisdom that was coming through for me and that the angels were coming because they wanted to do some healing for my people. Mm. Um, and so when I started owning that, that's when radical miracles started happening for other people too. And they could feel the presence there. I remember one woman was six months of postpartum depression. She was crying every day. And that's why she came to me. She came to a therapist. And I remember saying, hey, you want to try something weird? Because, you know, (laughs) I I rock with angels. You know, and it's an issue when you're a traditional licensed psychotherapist, because it's like you get into ethics and license. And Mm. are you allowed to even do that? Push your religious beliefs. But the thing was, is that I was not religious, never have been religious. I'm still not religious. But angels were very real (laughs) for me. So I'm like, so people never said no. You know, yeah. no matter what their beliefs, they never said, no, I don't want to hear an angel message. And no, let's not try something weird to help me. I've been crying for six months. So I remember her. I did the session, 20 minutes, a few messages, and a lot of energy work pouring through me, pouring through the room. And she called me the next day and said that she stopped crying. She has felt so much peace and joy in her heart at Mm. peace with her baby and loving her baby. And we were, she stayed coming and she, she she, like her postpartum was gone. And that's when I I realized that even though I'm a little embarrassed, the fact that I have to say the word angels out loud, (laughs) that (laughs) they're happening for a reason. And that it was my job to start, you know, it would bring blessings to everybody, not just me. I love that. And I was I was chuckling because I had that that moment of recognition when you were like, are you open to something weird? Because I remember when I first started my practice like 25 years ago and messages started to come through. I mean, I don't I don't claim where they come from. And I was just I, I would always start with this might sound weird. I'm hearing this message. Does this make any sense to you? So yeah, but like you say, no one has ever run away screaming or gone, no, no, I don't want to hear. Because I I think there is that, I think whatever you call it or, you know, whatever's coming through for you and that person is, is how it's showing up as it needs to. And I think, there's always that recognition from that person that they need it because clearly it wouldn't have come through anyway, isn't it? So they might not be going, oh, I think I want an angel message today. But when it's received, they're like, oh, 
this is what I wanted. So yeah, I love that. So how do you experience an angel? What does it feel like to be in the presence of an angel for you? Because I work with a goddess called Caradwin. And whenever I think of gods and goddesses, I very much feel them with the energy of the land, you know, rather than, but when I think of angels, to me, it feels more global. (laughs) If it was like a, I suppose off-world thing, I suppose, but maybe that's the, the the Christian religion I was brought off with, brought up with. But how do you experience the energy of angels? Yeah, I, I, I it's definitely changed and transformed over the mm. years, and I think it shifts and changes as the time shifts and changes, and whatever becomes more appropriate, or where at, at least wherever my layer of teaching is going. So it's really different than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was like a a beam of light or a column, a presence of really effervescent, tingly light. And mm. sometimes I would see it, but most often because my my spiritual gifts. So when the miracle happened, my spiritual, I, let's, we'll call them gifts, even though I think we all have them, we're born with mm. them. Um, they can go in a lot of different ways. Some people are very visual. So they're going to see angel lights or see apparitions. Mine was very empathic. So my body knows when there's a presence around me. And so when the angels would come in, I would feel like an eff- a powerful effervescent, like lightness in the room. Mm. And I would feel so much was the word unconditional love or joy for this person and it was like the angels in a way filling me up for the gift for this person. And my job was then to wrap wor- words around the experience and to just say what was happening, even if they didn't tell me what was happening. So sometimes messages would come through about their dead mother or messages mm-hmm. would come through. And so this was in the beginning when I was just learning to just trust what I'm hearing because it was always accurate. Um, so in the beginning, and it can come through for a lot of us just as a feeling, um, sometimes it's just really amazing, a clear thought or a clear feeling that, that might not be the usual toxic voice inside of your head. So, um, it could be a lot of different ways when I'm actually sitting or historically when I used to do one-on-one or a lot of one-on-one, now I train people how to, how to do this work, Mm. um, but when I used to personally do a lot of the one-on-one specifically with doing healing work and channeling work, um, it would come through in a way that the person needed it. So if I needed to get really visual, I would see very visual things. So I remember one woman's daughter uh, passed away and it was probably one of the first times I was talking to a dead person in, in session. And, and, uh, you know, in the beginning, it's a pretty awkward experience. Like, okay, I think your daughter is here, but this is what I'm seeing. And I saw a white fairy on a wall with a, with a wand with wings. And it's so random. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. And I'm so embarrassed to again, say it out loud. And, you know, I told her what it was and she started crying. She's like, that's the last painting that we did on her wall before she died. So then it validated me in particular <laughs> and to know I'm dialed into the right channel and also that she's still alive and she's still with her. Um, 
So when we connect with angels, especially when we're being out of service to something in the room, and especially when we're super humble and we don't, we just own the fact that we don't know anything, you have Mm -hmm. to give it to a higher power. I feel like that's one of the biggest tricks that I teach my people when they come in feeling not good enough to receive messages from God. It's like the, the less that you feel able, the stronger it's going to be, you know, because you have to. You have to get it's not about you, it's about the message. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. therapists have to be smart, have to be wise, have to have education, right? Mm. So I'm used to having to like be the smart one in the room. And I noticed when I started really opening up to spirit in a more authentic, you guys are real. I've seen you do miracles. So uh help help the sister out. Um, <laughs> I can't do a miracle over to you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like I might be smart sometimes, but you guys are super badass. So they, I would just get out of the way and then just do whatever occurs to me. And so that's what I found my students um, love is that often it doesn't matter if they have 20 years of intuitive work or mm. it's their first session. They just pray that something cool happens and, and connect with the angels and something cool happens. Yeah. So you said earlier that um, for you, the angels aren't connected to religion. Do you find a lot of people are still quite judgmental about it, like being like, I don't know, like a a Christian type God and angels coming from on high to deliver a message or because it doesn't mean obviously that doesn't sound like you're the angels kind of energy that you're talking about. But because I I know that sometimes like even for, for like my work much more it's like the magic and the tarot and the cards and you have a lot of christian people saying oh my friends aren't going to be very happy about me using the tarot and oh i can't yeah. t- especially in america oh i can't tell my family about the things that i'm interested in do you have the same thing with angels or do people yeah. like kind of skirt around that because they're like oh yeah. yeah it's angels and it's more accepted perhaps right yeah well i you know i train people globally so i have people mm. all over the world and and yeah the people in america are the most afraid ones usually um, because, because their family, you know, and I get it all the time. I just had someone call me a demon. Um, I, I get a lot of hate, uh, wow. from specifically yeah. fundamentalist Christians. And, uh, and the thing is, is that I, I don't think remotely as, as angels being from a specific religion, mm. um, because I, am not really, I was not religious. So, which means that they came to me at my most foul. And I really was going through a really hard time at the time when the miracle happened, I, like as in drinking a fifth of tequila, like every couple of days and, and really depressed. So I realized angels or our allies are with us no matter what. And they don't care what you believe. They really don't. Yeah. They, they are just here to help. And so the more that I um, developed my education about angels and the more work I have done and experienced so many miracles that I've experienced, the more that I realized angels are older than any organized religion. Angels have been here. And the term angel means messenger. Mm. So I do not even limit angels as things with wings. Uh, To me, any spiritual ally that is benevolent is an angel, is a messenger. That includes our ancestors. 
That yeah. includes our spirit guides. That includes um, what people could consider star beings. And I think the name's going to change over time. But if you look, you know, again, I had to research a lot because I'm reverse engineering the spirituality thing because I was not a religious person. Cave paintings show, mm. ancient cave paintings always show benevolent beings or beings standing next to humans, helping them with things like agriculture, uh, farming, like all of these things. So historically, all over the world, every nation, every country speaks of benevolent beings in one way or the other that are there to facilitate. So my belief is that all of our ancestors, no matter if you're from European descent um, or wherever you're from, were indigenous. And indigenous folks know how to rock their magic using benevolent beings to help mm -hmm. them find food, water, shelter, even things like love, or to improve their situation and to improve their luck. So I do like to de-religionize work yeah. with angels for those people who are absolutely turned off by religion. And I also like to be, you know, for people to open their minds who have been indoctrinated with toxic religious ideology, because there is a difference. Because let's look at Christians. There is not one kind of Christian in the world. There are Christians who follow love and follow the path of Jesus truly. In yeah. their heart, they have that unconditional love. They, yeah, they have empathy. They are inclusive. They're not judging. And then there's the what I call quote unquote Christians who really do believe that they're followers of Christ uh, of Jesus, but they're the opposite. They're full yeah. of fear. They're judging. They're doing all of these things. And um, to me, it's so tragic. It's just a um, when when religion is just dogma. It's not religion. It's a belief system. Yep. It's uh, it, but it's not a real heart actualized. It's not going to transform your heart and mind the way that spirit can do. And that's the number one thing spirit has done for me is opened up new pathways and corridors in my heart so that I can be inclusive and loving, even with people that I don't agree with, like folk who um, whose heart is so toxic that they think that calling someone a demon who they don't know is is acceptable yeah no i think that, that's so important isn't it i think oh we're not i don't want to go down the religion route but it has caused so much but it's important in the world it's, no it, no it is it's important Absolutely. because it's causing a lot of Ill. problems right yeah. now and the more i feel that people who love jesus still the more that they do not placate the other kind of Christian, because I think a lot of people tiptoe around certain kinds of Christians because they shield themselves with Jesus. Um, so they feel this false sense of protection, but it's like using Jesus instead of actually walking with Jesus. And, uh, you know, the more that I go, the, especially with what I see is happening in America, the more even I have become more folk, more, vocal about it because I used to kind of oh you know to each their own and now I feel the, the attitude of to, to each their own is currently dangerous yes I, I would agree with that for sure I mean in the UK we 
well, it's not my experience that we have such like extreme Christians, you know, with the Christians, yeah, you know, a lot of the schools are Christian and it's it's very, I don't know, we're just, just very relaxed about it, I think. And then I hear stories of some of my clients from America and I'm like, wow, you know, it's, yeah. it's a real eye opener when we're not, we are, I'd say we're not an overly religious country really, even though, you know, religion is taught everywhere but I just I just don't think it's the same as America at all but I think that oh each to their own does become very dangerous because it almost it feels like we absolve ourselves from having difficult conversations with people when sometimes especially when you're talking about intolerance and you know victimizing other people that's when actually no it's not each to their own yeah no and people are dying in America Mm. And people are becoming more and more aggressively dehumanized, including the Latinx communities who, who you know, people at the borders, they're, the framework with which they're using to dehumanize folks of color at the border for political gain. But it's rooted in Christian ideology, and, as well as the LGBTQ, what's happening here, where people are just straight up taking guns and shooting people. Like this is what that kind of Christianity is producing. And people are, in a way, avoiding making that connection. They want to blame Republicans for that. It's not Republicans. It's the folks who are using Christianity. They're shielding themselves with Jesus so that they commit atrocities of hate. This is not where I thought that this conversation would go but i think <laughs> it's clearly needed it's clearly needed <laughs> it's, well it's like you say that it's like children behind christianity and all those atrocities and i'm like that's christianity since pretty much the beginning and we had like the crusades and taking over exactly. the countries it's like history really does repeat itself and, and show it show if you mm. do the math and you line up where most of the heinous genocide the heinous all the heinous stuff you it's mostly rooted into these kinds of it's colonizer christianity it's colonizer style christianity not jesus style yeah no i think about that and i think it's really important to separate that energy and you know we started off like talk about separating the angels from religion but it's like that jesus energy too uh, yeah. A friend of mine, she refers to Jesus as baby G. And that always makes me chuckle because, you know, she very much, she was, she would not consider herself a Christian, but she works with the energy of the Christ energy. And yeah. it's so different from how most people observe or, you know, whatever they do in Jesus's name. And it's like, can we just remember what Jesus actually stood for? <laughs> it's not that yeah. kind of, you know, he yeah. was hanging out with prostitutes. He was turning over tables in the temples. And, you know, he was, he, he was, was like right most, out there causing trouble. <laughs> he was the most anti-religious person of his time. Mm. Let's not, he let's was, not, he wasn't a Christian people. Let's not. He was that. not a Christian. Yeah. No, he was turning <laughs> over tape. He was, he was speaking out against religion and religious leadership. Um, so, you know, do your, do just do the math and, you know, so yeah, someone called me, I, I did an event and he was like, oh, I see it's the new age demon. He's talking about me, which I don't consider myself and I don't consider myself anything really, but I was just, yeah, it's, no, because 
And if you really break it down, Jesus was both a mystic and the new ager of his time. So what would you say to Jesus? <laughs> you know, he'd probably just be slinging him up on a cross right now. Yeah. That's yeah. So the, I don't know. The cognitive dissonance is, is intense. Um, and I do my best to really be inclusive and loving and, and, and try and, you know, like educate people on these, these things. Cause a lot of people really don't think of it. Either they hate all Christians or the Christians hate all everything else. And we're not, we're just not going to be able to build bridges with each other until we open our hearts to be curious about each other and to learn from each other without, without trying to sling them up on a cross. Mm. Which randomly <laughs> brings me back to your book, actually, that yeah. openness energy. Because just, be- just before we started this podcast, I was saying one of the things I loved about your book, um, Angel Wealth Magic, was the fact that you really encourage people to have that energy of openness. So like I started off a podcast saying, oh, I was really judgy when I was a kid about angels and people that believed in angels. You know, it's like we all have that moment, don't we? It's like we have to own that we can be judgy of things. And then life teaches us to be open, <laughs> even if with other people. Um, and I, I love that about your book. So how do you go from having your miracle, connecting with the angels, channeling angels, sharing messages with people, to where we have now, which is angel wealth magic. And I think this is really important part of the conversation. Although it seems like it's like, how did Rebecca just jump from like Jesus and fundamentalists into wealth? But I think we need that wealth and we need people, particularly marginalized people, people that haven't had access to wealth to know that actually, and you talk about this in your book, that there is a there is another way. There is the path because we do live in a capitalist society. And if you don't have access to money, well, you're always going to be struggling, you know, to have, to contribute, to make changes. We need to feel safe. We need to have the the fundamental basics in place. So you talk about this with like the energy of wealth, which is why I'm bringing it back around. So how do you go from, in fact, maybe you want to share a bit of your background to like where you were, to where you are today and how that wealth piece came in with the angels. Because again, like you said, judging, often there's that energy of like, oh, why would angels want to make you rich? And I'm like, why wouldn't they? Because um, <laughs> we can That's do we can do more good stuff with with the money. Yeah. Um but yeah, what what's that what's that story for you? Uh, yeah, I mean in a nutshell, okay, I I I am a wo- woman of color. I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, both sides of my family came from extreme poverty. So we lived in the hood in Puerto Rico, we lived in the hood in East LA. I didn't grow up with a money mindset, meaning a wealth mindset. In my mind, it was never going to be an option. It was for essentially white people in, in my mind, right? I, was, I didn't articulate that, but that's what it felt like. Like that's for the other people and then this is us. And so the best that I can do is get a good job and, you know, get educated. So I, I got educated. Um, but my family went through a lot of hardship. My, you know, I wasn't, by the time I was 18, I didn't really have parents that were, my mother had died. And, and so I 
didn't, you know, again, we didn't know any wealthy people, the mindset, it's just not, not, if you don't have access to people with money, you just don't even think of it as being a possibility. You know, the biggest thing you can think of is like, maybe I'll be a, you know, I I don't know, a doctor, you know, you're not going to think about being millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, so I resented, I, I was petrified of cash for most of my life. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably really after it's post angels, obviously angels started encouraging me, giving me inspiration to dream a little bit bigger, to do weirder things. And those weirder <laughs> things were, were very much aligned with my heart and soul. So what so, did a weird thing look like to you at the time? Um, well, this is like the first weirdest thing where I'm already working as a counselor or psych- as a psychotherapist, right? I did the good job thing. I got, I had a good mm-hmm. job. I'm done. Um, I was freaking still miserable, but I, you know, I did the thing. I did the recipe, Rebecca, you know, marriage, you kids. The thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, marriage <laughs> kids. I, I did the thing and I was still uh, just super suffering. I, I mostly wanted to die my entire life that I was so depressed my entire life. So, um, uh, so after the miracle, I started having, you know, different dreams. It was weird. So the first thing that I did that was notably weird was that I had a three-year-old at the time. And I really, after the miracle, I want to learn about angels. And I found this workshop in in Hawaii and to learn about angels. And, and I wanted to go, but mm-hmm. it's something that I never, I mean, ever, ever, ever would have done before. Because first of all, it's a waste of money. Um, our house was going into foreclosure. We were in severe debt and I never left my child. And I knew in order for me to fly all the way to, to, to Hawaii, um, I, only one of us could go. It would yeah. cost $3,000, which I didn't have, of course. And I mentioned the house going into foreclosure. Okay. And yeah. we're on the verge of divorce. I forgot that part. So so, <laughs> not the all around. Time, yes, <laughs> not the best time to go on a ladies' trip is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> uh, yes. I, I never invested in myself ever. Mm. I I remember crying when I got when my husband bought me a diamond ring for our marriage, crying because the the sense of unworthiness and not being valuable enough for a and it was not an expensive ring per se. It's probably like only $2,000. So yeah. I was depressed by it. So that's how bad it was for me and how, uh, you know, so yeah. So I, I talked to him and I'm like, would you mind if I take myself to Hawaii to learn about angels? Okay. That's an embarrassing conversation. Think about it. Um, and, uh, and he said, uh, yeah, no, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have the money. I'm like, okay, obviously not. So then I just put it away. But then I started seeing like signs. Like I heard someone over, you know, talking about Kona and then I heard, and I was like, so I decided to go back to it. And I said, yeah, I I really, really want to go. And he's like, well, what the hell? Like, are you going to even do anything with this? And I'm like, Mm. uh, hell no. I'm already, I already have a career. Why would I do? I just feel compelled to go. I know it's weird. 
And I know you're going to have to take off a week off of work to watch our daughter. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to take my ass to Hawaii. So luckily my husband is who he is and he's, he let me do it. And so that was the first hyper impractical thing that I did that where I listened to the good voice inside that believed it was going to be okay. Yeah. And I remember in that, after making that decision that week, my husband got a spontaneous bonus. I think it was for $1,500. So that paid for like most of it. And then I realized I had a credit card that had points on it. So my airfare was free. So it ended up costing almost nothing for me to go. Um, but I had to say yes first in order mm. for me to discover more resources. So that was my first learning and taking a leap of, of real honesty. It felt like I was going to die when I said yes. I mean, that's sometimes. So yeah, first, so angel wisdom is inspiring, but I find the good ones are also terrorizing <laughs> and, and Im- impractical. <laughs> much do you want this? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I spent a, a significant amount of time in the book kind of talking about in a way, you know, they, angels will give you the idea, the inspiration, mm. but they're not going to, they, they, they'll even open up the door for you, but we cannot receive the gift if we're not willing to take the brave steps to walk out the damn door and, and yeah. to go through that, that portal. And, uh, yeah, so that was my first, my first lesson in that. And there's no way to develop that kind of trust and faith unless you do take risks. Yeah. It is that it's like the stepping out, isn't it? Like trust that that path is going to appear. It's like you wanted it. How much do you want it? They'll be there to support you. But that saying yes is like, oh, because we know that when we say yes, our whole life changes, doesn't it? Everything changes. And there's no going back then. I Mm. came back so stoked, so open. And and slowly but surely I started, yeah, owning it publicly, like in my practice. Because I thought it was just my own little secret fantasy. It was like I felt so alive on the inside. And I just wanted more of that. But I didn't plan on, I mean, I I just have to tell you how insane it is, the work that I do now, how miraculous my life is compared to the life before I said yes to that first angel thing. And, And we always have the option to say no, Mm. to say, to stay practical and to stay, be a responsible mother, responsible wife and responsible with our money. We always have, and I am a freaking responsible person, less so today than I used to be. But you know, <laughs> a different so, kind of responsible, though, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. like you used to be responsible according to other people's ideas of responsibility. Exactly. Now you're responsible to your own idea of responsible. And I would almost, in fact, I would definitely argue that it is irresponsible to ignore what you know to be true. Yeah doesn't matter if it's not someone else's truth it's your truth it is i think women in particular are not raised to be nearly as narcissistic as we need to be Mm. to function in this society because we are mostly designed and indoctrinated to believe that we're here to serve to serve yeah to serve 
our family, serve our husband. That's what good women do, quote unquote, if we're going to stay with the quote unquote traditional roles. And that is the danger of why our societies are so imbalanced and because we need more women who are willing to do for themselves what their heart knows is right for them. So mm-hmm. my income is, okay, I was already a therapist. My income has multiplied by 10 <laughs> at least wife lady <laughs> right okay i work half the time i used to mm. and i can know i know how to earn income whenever i want it sometimes i'm super lazy and can take half a year off okay that would not be possible if i did not make a lot of impractical choices so when I left seemingly my, impractical, seemingly exactly. to other people. When you're trying yeah. to tell your husband, hey, <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to tell you're your husband, Hawaii. <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. That was the first one. I've had, I've said many radical things since, like, I think I'm going to leave my pr- private practice, which was very successful, especially after I started using angel work because people started flying, flying their relatives in. You got to just go meet her. Uh, <laughs> you got to just go meet her. Um, but so when I told him I was leaving that and that I was being called to to work more so ridiculous, so crazy when I think about it, work internationally and develop more online things. This is back when not everybody knew about mm. it and everybody was doing it, and including me. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, that's why I love Google. So um, uh, so when I, I told him I was going to do that and kind of focus on um, reaching out across oceans a little bit more sp- and talking specifically about angels instead of doing therapy. He thought mm. I was crazy. And the thing is, I knew I was crazy, but I felt compelled. So had it not for been for those weird decisions along the way, I would not be experiencing this level of freedom, I guess, freedom, yeah. financial freedom um, to earn money when I want and to work as much or as little as I want. And, and I think that this is, this is why it was important for me to, to talk about this openly, because it's not easy for me to talk about. It's just like angel shame to to talk about your wealth or to talk about money for me. Uh, It's not a comfortable feeling, but I want in particular heart centered folks women who have access to their desire to make an impact to shift the balance in the world. Yeah. If I do not speak on this, who else is going to do it? And I really want people to know there's opportunity for, for us. We have to learn different ways to crack the code and to change our brains about what we're capable of. Cause I did not think about cash until I was about 40 that I was going to like, I, I, you know, and I, my big goal was like, I'm going to break six figures. I'm going to make six figures. And at the time I was like, that's an insane number, you know? Yeah. Um, and even in saying that I cared enough to set that goal, because it's not, again, not in my person, my previous personality to think along these lines. 
I think there's a, a couple of things that really stand out for me when you have that conversation is the first one that I love that you're like, I want to work with heart-centered people because I genuinely believe that money is an amplifier. If you're if you're very selfish and greedy, you get more money, you're going to carry on being but extra selfish and extra greedy. Whereas if you're actually a generous person, you know, and you're you know, kind, caring, and generous, that money is just going to amplify that. So sometimes people get scared of money because they see, you know, they've grown up with an idea of what wealth looks like. And let's face it, in our society, it looks like stamping on other people to get to the top, bigger, you know, huge corporate mega companies. That's where the wealth is. And it's like, yeah, probably don't want to aspire to be that. Uh, And the other thing I think is really important that you mentioned was that you know, women have often been put in the role of the caregiver. So what that has often meant is time away from work or no work as they've looked after the children for a certain amount of time. And of course, when they go back to the workplace, those jobs aren't there anymore or they haven't got the the same skills or they're like, air quotes, like 10 years behind where they could have been had they carried on working. So I think that's another disadvantage that women have. And I, I always think it's quite crazy that I th- I'll have to check the dates, but I'm not far off this. In the UK, like women weren't allowed their own bank account without their husband's or father's permission, yes. like just before I was born. Yeah, and, and I just think that's crazy. It's like my mum would have had to have asked permission to have yeah. a bank account. So when women are like, "Oh, I'm not very good at managing money," of course it's a skill we can learn, but it's like it's not really in in our in our known existence when women have been in charge of the money for like generations and generations and generations. So they might've been given pin money or pocket money or, you know, whatever, whatever the phrase is, or like to look after the house, but not to manage themselves or to create wealth. We were the chattel. We were the ones given as a blooming dowry. It's like, we have been, we have been the the money rather than actually having the wealth ourselves. So I think there's a lot of unpacking. So when you're doing your, angel wealth magic what is like the biggest block you come up against for like women in particular and money or wealth oh god yeah i mean i i go through a lot of them in the, in the book because again i was inspired to write this book again for people who never had access to wealth like like myself mm-hmm. but especially heart centered um, in particular, women or or folks that kind of run a lot of feminine energy, because we are more likely to share our yep. wealth. And and uh, but the biggest blocks, God, the list goes on. I mean, it no, shows. I right. think. Go ahead. So I was going to say the first one in the book you talk about is shame. I think, isn't it? If I remember correctly. Oh yes. Oh God. Yeah, shame. Because people aren't used to identifying themselves as someone who wants to claim more or dominate in general. Um, we feel shame if we want to kind of get in there and just be the most number one kick butt person in the whatever fields they want because yeah. we're so generous. So a lot of women are so used to taking the back, you know, so we're so gracious. Having like, I, like, I don't need to be the biggest, loudest person in the room. A lot of females do and because we're trained to do that. So when people, let's say they want to become an entrepreneur or they're this, they know inside of them 
They're supposed to like connect with more people, serve people. They have some, some, something to share, but you know, simple things like this, stop them. I don't like being on video. I don't want to do, I don't do, I don't want to do my own website. It's so like about me. It's so embarrassing. I don't want to stick out of the crowd. I don't really like people. I'm introverted. That's a number one thing. I'm introverted. So people mistake introversion or the fact that they don't like to quote unquote sell or be quote unquote pushy or get their face out there. They think that's who they are. Okay. Cause that's the pro that's what they have assumed about themselves the whole time. Little do many find out that's their conditioning. It's not them. That's what proper ladies do. We don't want to be the center of attention. Mm, it's, it's impolite. <laughs> it's impolite. I don't want to be pushy. Who am I to sell anything? Who am I mm. to charge for my services? Uh, especially people who do spiritual work. Oh my gosh, I just have to work with these people a lot. I mean, I feel really bad if I charge too much for this. Um, you know, it's God's work. And it's like, so I go, I, I let them know. Yes, it's God's work as all work is. And also God's time is free. The angel's time is free, but your time is not free. Yeah. You know, and so working through these false limitations. Oh, I'm shy. No, you're not. You're traumatized. So, (laughs) and indoctrinated. So address those issues. And I say, if you feel fear, do it anyways, like force yourself. Force yourself to do a video talking about something that you love. Force yourself um, because I did not want to do any video. I didn't do any video the first year and a half I was online, believe it or not. I did all like teleseminars. Oh my gosh, I remember those. I used to have that as well. <laughs> Just wow, those are the good old days. Yeah. Those are the good old days. And I, I would obsess because I feel like I, you know, my whole life I feel like an ugly beast, right? And so I would like, the thing that was stopping me, honestly, was my nose. I was like, my nose, it's too big. People are just going to stare at my nose. Like, just really- It really isn't. Everyone listening, it really isn't, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like, let me give you a closer look. <laughs> look at that thing. You know? <laughs> Come on. It's giant. Oh, God. But But the thing is, I thought I was just going to hate myself and what doing video did, which is strange, which is a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I coach and work with, you know, they realize that they learn self-acceptance a lot faster. Um, Cause I, I, the way I look does not trigger me whatsoever anymore, but for mm-hmm. the first 40 years of my life, it did. And it, it was the video. So we don't know. So a lot of times our poison is really our best medicine. I love that in the book. In fact, there's a line in the book that I want to share with you a minute that just made me laugh as soon as I read it. I was like, I know I'm going to love this woman. But something that you wrote about money, because I often think that when women talk about money, they're like, oh, yes, I want to experience more abundance. And I'm always like, is it abundance or is it cash? You know, because even like women have trouble asking for more, like some women have trouble asking for more money because they think it makes them sound selfish. So they do a roundabout, oh, I'll just have abundance instead. And it's like, no, if you want money... Let's work on the energy of money. Um, <laughs> but I love that you said under, um, I think it's like your wealth dream part of the book and you have a series of questions. And one of them was like, what risks are you prepared to make and what sacrifices are you prepared to, 
to make happen. Sorry, to make that dream happen. And I think that's a really important part of things as well, isn't it? It's not angels aren't just, here's my request. Sometimes it's a bit like that, but it's like, here's my request. And like you said, it's like, and now step through the door. What are you doing? So do you, what, do you find you have to like give people a, a loving nudge through that door to take that risk or to, you know, say, actually, there is going to be an energy of sacrifice here. And that's, you know, that, that balance. Yes. Oh God. That's a, it's such a big one. Oh, especially with the pious, pious people do not understand that prayer is not enough. Prayer mm. opens up the doorway. It sets your sights on it something. It opens the channel. Like whew, It opens no, the channel, yeah. but you cannot be sitting around on the couch, drinking beer, eating pizza, <laughs> and, and think that you're going to win the lottery if you don't get up and go to the liquor store and buy the ticket. Mm. You know, you have, there's always stuff on our side that we have to do and, because it's a co-creation. Yeah. And, and, but when we take those risks, you, I mean, we cannot get it out of our safety box without feeling like we're going to die sometimes. Like we have to feel risky in order for us to expand our boundaries. So many people want to contract their boundaries and it's, we have to have strong boundaries, but if you want to expand your ba- boundaries of potential, we have to like stretch out a little bit and we have so many hidden resources in here. We don't know about until we force ourselves. I didn't know that I could be a public speaker. I hate being the center of attention. I really do not. If I'm going to a, a big conference or whatever, I'm the girl hanging out back in the corner because I'm just like, I, I just can't, right? I got to work with myself on that. But yeah. but so I don't like it. However, something happens. The camera turns on. When it's my turn to go, I, I, I'm like a whole different person. And <laughs> I'm like my stage self. I'm, you know, it's so weird, but we would never know that we have that in us if we don't put ourselves in different environments. Absolutely. And you use the phrase, then you feel like you're going to die. And it's like, well, parts of us have to die so we can step into new energies or new, new parts of ourselves, isn't it? To claim those parts of ourselves. It's like, like you said earlier, it's like, if you identify as a particular, I'm, I'm shy. Well, that has to die so that you can actually give yourself permission to try confidence, to try a different thing. And I yes. think sometimes as well, you use the term introverted. And I think sometimes people mistake being introverted and assuming that means shy. And it doesn't. Yes. It just means you have to have time alone to recharge your energy. You might not yeah. like being around people, but that's something completely different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. about managing your own energy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, in the book, we go through, you know, little processes here and there to help you really look at your blind spots or look at look at the assumptions you've made about how you think about cash, um, how you think about really yourself and and noticing your triggers when it comes to this stuff, because it's not hard to get rid of. The hardest part is actually seeing that you're basing your life based on so many assumptions based yeah. on the past what mommy and daddy told you, a lot of us are afraid to grow past their wealth ceiling. Um, especially if we come from a really poor family, it's like, oh God, if I, if I become a billionaire, everybody's going to be wanting handouts and none of that. You know, <laughs> but really with that, that fear is that you, you freaking haven't cultivated enough boundaries and you haven't learned mm. how to say no. But the thing is, it's not about, oh no, people are going to be asking. It's like, oh my gosh, people are going to be asking and I'm going to have plenty to share. It's 
Yeah. Amazing feeling if you can help your family members out. Okay. The line that made me laugh in the book. I love this. Um, wealth blockers. We've been talking about things that block your wealth. You're laughing. I think you I think you know where I'm going here. And the line in the book says, wealth blockers are like invisible condoms because they prevent seeds from spreading. And I just thought, that's genius. No one's ever going to forget that. Because you talk, you talk about like the inspiration from the, the angels being like seeds and like fertilizing, you know, all opportunities and um, and um, possibilities available to you. And then you come in with this line, and you're like, "Wealth blockers are like invisible condoms." So talk to us, not about condoms, but about oh wealth blockers. I love that. Thanks for bringing that out. That was a really fun um, negotiation with my publisher. They actually. Yeah, they actually made me water Sorry, it down. I've just, I've, I've just, you know, broadcast it to the world. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wanted something else in there. So that was our middle point. Um, so I, now, I, now we're curious. I know. Okay. I, I don't know. Am I allowed to say words on, on your podcast? I didn't ask. I, yes, you can say words because I can put a little warning at the beginning. <laughs> a little beep? Okay. Yeah. So I, like when I'm coaching... Real people, I call them wealth cock blockers. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Well, because you know, because people don't know what those are, but it's like you're you're about to get your party on, and then some dude comes in and blocks your way, and then like you know, they take your woman. And so so I'm like, okay, how what else works like a cock block? Oh, okay, come condoms. Yes. Condoms. How's that? <laughs> it's gotta be sexual or so it's not my teaching. it's funny because my publisher knows like she's so flexible about everything but do not mess with her profanity (laughs) (laughs) that's fair she wants a bigger audience that's good (laughs) that's what the book needs well it's a bigger audience and i want to turn off the right people right (laughs) like this girl she's just she's she has no divine conduit (laughs) (laughs) Or, or the most divine perhaps um but yes, that was just like one line that really stood out in the book. I think <laughs> See, you knew you could feel the energy that there's something like, there. Oh, there's something dodgy about that line. What's really going on? Yeah. But yeah, that the invisible condoms, it's a real thing. It's you know, when you think about any area of your life, you're trying to get somewhere and then and then something magical happens and you just get bounced back. You just can't seem to break the barrier, mm. whether it was, it's with wealth or love. And so those are experiences that if it keeps happening over and over again, it's your hardware on the inside, a, an un- unconscious issue or unconscious block that you need to look at and go, hey, what is my belief here that's stopping me from making a certain level of change? I remember... Um, Uh, when I was doing a lot of one-on-one practice, there was this realtor who came in and this homegirl was so successful, but she was pissed because she couldn't sell a house past $999,000. Every time she got the big houses in, every time she got the big ones, the 1.5ers, the three millioners, she would lose the account. And to, to another realtor. So she came in so, so I could help, you know, coach her through that. And what we discovered was this deep unconscious belief generated from her ancestry about how wealthy people suck because wealthy people steal farmland, wealthy people do this, you know, they're in charge. 
So once we cleared this out, we identified it. She's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, oh. So we cleared it out with work of the angels and other kind of techniques that I use. She felt better. She literally walked out, went to her next house that was over a million dollars and got her first million dollar house. And she's been, she'd been a realtor for 10 years. Mm. And she said that week or over the next couple of weeks, she started getting random calls. She got one call from Beverly Hills. She lives in San Francisco. Some, some house in Beverly Hills had heard about her and it was another big listing. So after that, yeah, she's, she's a really rich woman now, but, <laughs> but it was just that 999. So sometimes there's something inside that's the invisible condom. You just, yeah. you try, try, it's not working. And I think <laughs> I love something else you said about that invisible condom, but the invisible part is, I think is really important because they're often, when we look at those patterns, they're often justifiable it's like, oh, it's because this has happened and oh, this has happened or yes, this this external experience has happened. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still the underlying pattern. We can justify it until the cows come home. But I, I do like what you said there as well about because condoms are only like 98% effective. It's like, so sometimes we can make these things happen randomly, but it's like, we can't do it consistently. <laughs> and that's the difference, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you want these things consistently rather than just like a one-off, you know, <laughs> 2% chance of it happening. I, know. I mean, it's possible. Even condoms fail. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus and condoms. What a conversation today. No, I'm just, I, I got to do it. Just, that's how it flows. And this is why I think it's hilarious that I, that why the angels would let me do this work is beyond me. But, but it's you know, that it's needed though, isn't it? Well, I think we need to, it shouldn't be serious and pious and all of that other stuff. No, I think because life not, isn't. It's not. Life is, life is dirty. Messy. And I think, <laughs> Yeah. And I, again, I think the whole, the attitudes we've had about religion is so serious. And I find joy helps us manifest a laughing mm-hmm. <clears throat> humility. And I I have never felt judged. That's, this is the most wild thing for me, but I have never felt judged by the other side, by spirit, by guides. And then when you learn in religion that you're constantly being judged. So that that was a yes. real eye-opener for me about how blessed I continually be the more that I am truly myself, the less that I hide myself, no matter what stage I'm speaking on, no matter what mm. group, there's probably going to be, I'm going to say something somewhat inappropriate, quote unquote, but it's going to make sense. It's not just, it's not just to see a bunch of profanities. It's literally how I talk to my 11 year old. <laughs> so, <Yeah. coughs> And I think as soon as we start stepping into that energy of judgment, I mean, I, I, I came across this when I was training to be a priestess and they had suggested that somebody had got ill because they had turned their back on the goddess. And I'm like, you have just swapped one form of religion and control um, with another. That doesn't yes. fly with me at all because yeah. my experience of, of everything from dragons to goddesses, you know, perhaps angels, um, even gnomes. None of that energy has been judgmental. It has, you know, often it's had a serious message, but it has never been from the energy of telling me off. It's been from yeah. the energy of like, it can be truthful and it can cut and it can be like, 
ouch. (laughs) But that's not them being mean. That's just me realizing another level of thing that maybe I'd been trying to ignore. So yeah, I think that we need the energy of like that joy and expansion to have that growth, to have that openness, which goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, isn't it? To have that that channel of like true love. So I know we... (laughs) I know there's lots of stuff we haven't spoken about yet, but um, in the book, you talk about an 11 day wealth ritual. How did that come about? Because I'm looking forward to trying. I haven't tried it yet, but I do plan to try it. Yeah. So, you know, during lockdown and I know I have already experienced financial miracles, really, when I started working with angels and started shifting my career around, but nothing um, beat, the, beat this one. And it was during lockdown, uh, the first COVID lockdown, <clears throat> right when everything was happening, everything was so weird. And they let my kids um, uh, come back to the house. We had to, you know, homeschool. And I had the, uh, at the time it was a freshman and a fourth grader. And, you know, my work is at my home. So there's no office. And so everybody was going to kind of be piled in there. And I wanted to, uh, not do a launch. I was about to do a launch that usually generates um, around $200,000 a year. So I, I wasn't up to doing that launch because everything was too weird. I wanted to focus at home. And, you know, I have other parts of my business, so I know that we could mm-hmm. super manage. But, <clears throat> but for my own stress, I decided to not do that. And then I um, I decided to like, do angel magic, but something more formal. So I did research on angels and angels have been worked with by magicians, ancient magicians, Western magicians, Kabbalistic magicians for a very, like thousands of years, a couple of thousand years. And so I decided to do research on those angels, the wealth angels or other spirits or allies that have been known traditionally. So I compiled some data and I kind of channeled, looked into which ones felt in resonance. I connected with them all. And then day by day, I channeled a process where I invoked different angels or angels to kind of lead me through. Some of these are not just wealth angels. They're they're angels to help you with confidence, more mm-hmm. magnetic, um, de-shame that game to have optimistic thinking. Some of these traits that wealthy people have that, you know, some people don't. So I, I did part mindset angels, but also big wealth boosters. And, um, and so I set it up and, and I, you know, drew sigils and, and created a whole process because I am familiar with traditional Western magic and I love traditional Western magic. And that was my first entry point into really the spiritual worlds 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Oh my God, 30 years ago. (laughs) Time flies. So so yeah, I went old school with it. I I did traditional magic, called in the angels and um, did the process. Didn't think it was going to work because I never asked for that much money. Um, And, but I did it anyways. And uh, yeah, within a few weeks, we got a unsuspecting um, check for $150,000. And I was like, so blown away. And my husband was like, what the hell? 
because <laughs> my husband was like, you're going to do magic to, to, for this, for this launch. Cause we depend on it every year. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do magic instead. It's COVID. So, um, so yeah, that was a really big one. So mind blowing. So when I went out to do my offerings for spirit and, and, uh, like I was in tears, I just, it just blows my mind how blessed, um, just how wonderful life can be when you know you're not alone. Right. Um, yeah. And so when I was sitting there, I realized that, uh, that the bigness of that success was not meant for me to keep to myself mm. and that I wanted to share the principles with other people because again, COVID lots of people losing their businesses, losing their jobs, but also I have a big heart for, for folks who grew up like me, you know, who, who didn't, don't know that you can kind of help hack the system. So that's, that's how, how it came to be. Yeah. So what, obviously by the book (laughs) would be your first answer here, but what one thing would you recommend people do or change the, the listeners to either like connect with the angels or to start changing their, the position of wealth what what would be the where would you start? Where would you recommend starting? Um, so I always have a different answer for this question, but let me just feel in for mm-hmm. your audience here. It's like they're showing me that. Uh, they're showing me a road on that all, all of us are standing on a certain side of the road. And that if you've been on that side of the road for a long time, they want you to know that there's another road. Um, and so it's like energetically, they want you to, to, if you want more, not just wealth, but, but magic in your life, or miracles in your life, it doesn't have to be about money, because to me, wealth, is yes about cash, but it's really about inner wealth and and resources. Like knowing that mm. you have the resources to get more love, uh, to have a peaceful family. Like we we are when we feel that mental prison, wherever your mental prison is, think of it as you're just walking down one side of a road, but that there's so many roads, and that the biggest thing that you have to do is energetically just stop walking on that side of the road and, and they're showing me just someone stopping and just walking across the street, (laughs) try a different road and decide what that road is called. Okay. So if I'm on like shit show alley and, and that's how I feel, you can energetically walk across the road and go like, you know, ease alley. I'm calling in ease and I plant myself over the sidewalk of ease. So they're saying, make a, make a solid choice. And to not feel like life is happening at you, to uh, to know that life happens through you, um, <clears throat> through you, and that by changing the road that you're standing on, then you're telling the universe, oh, they're not on shit show alley anymore. Okay, they're, they're oh, they're on ease alley. Okay, so let's channel ease through this person, and that is a really big magical act that people, I think. Um, are underwhelmed by, but it's a great first step is you Mm. with your own authority, choosing a different road and then asking the resources on that side of the road, what needs to be done 
to open this even more. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, everybody, (laughs) everyone listening, think about where you are right now and then just step, make that choice, make that decision, align that energy and take a different path. Take a different, yeah. Like what road, what road do you want to be standing on? Because a lot of us are standing on unconscious roads, but if you can consciously make a choice to move to the road and then you just simply ask, Hey, angels, guides, ancestors, help me understand what this place is like. Mm. You know, guide me, show me how to get there. And if you're not working with angels, I just, I highly recommend. Yes, for sure. I, I am most definitely opening up to angels. Someone, <laughs> someone who I, who I love. In fact, two people that I love very dearly. One of them con- consistently works with angels and they're just like, they're just so fun and everything happens so quick. And they're like, things happen really, really powerfully. And my other friend is like, you know, they're just such powerful energies to work with. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I feel myself quite an earthy person, but I don't know. It's like things happen well, for a reason, don't they? So, yeah. I know. Hey, but I have to, I have to share with you, like one of my latest um, fun awarenesses is they they are, you know, angels are earthy. It's just the, the, the Western mind that has been yeah. weird, weird separations. We've been indoctrinated that heavenly, heavenly beings are up there. Um, but <clears throat> Here, here's, go on, sorry. Here, yeah, here's here's a here's the thing for me. Angels now manifest. What they showed me was that you know because when humanity got a little too narcissistic to believe that the world was alive, the mm. image of angel became through as this man with you know uh, you know it's suspicious yeah, yeah. that all the images that we have are all white men, right? It's like with with wings, right? So we know it's the human. Knowing all powerful, yeah, yeah. It's we know it's the human projection of spiritual entities. But I just had a really deep experience because I opened up a retreat center in in Mount Shasta, and they're saying, you know, it's like the birds. All the birds came, and they're like, "Okay, you can see us now," Um, and they gave me the impression that even those celestial beings are all attached to to earth, to earth beings, you know? And so, you know, humans wouldn't listen to birds anymore. So they, we, you know, gave them apparitions of shapes, like a yeah, humanoid yeah. instead. Well, I do this practice every Sunday. Um, sorry, I used to do this practice every Tuesday with my group. And I talk about like connecting up and connecting down. And I always say, when I say connection up, I'm like, you know, towards heaven, your soul star, your soul family, you know, what part of the sky, whatever language resonates for you. And uh-huh. without fail, I hadn't done this practice for quite a while and I did it again today and it happened again. And I'm like, and now connect down into the earth, down into the heavens. And I always, always say down into the heavens. And I'm like, yes. heaven is here on earth. I'm like, I have no, like for years I've been saying, and now down into the, the earth, into heaven. And I'm like, why do I keep saying that? Like, I Oh. yeah and I'm just like yep heaven is on earth here we go there's the angels and it made me chuckle as well because you know if someone's been like really kind or just like helped you out of a sticky situation you, you do say oh that's such an angel you know they're not there with like a halo and great big wings but you, we do ascribe helpers don't we as being angels wow. in in human form they're so, everywhere yeah yeah they're everywhere <laughs> the angels, are, angels are people 
angels are me. heaven is enough so that's clearly where the angels are <laughs> and that is my oh my gosh i say that all the time i'm like yeah the the point is because there's a lot of channelers that that are so fixated on the oh let's ascend to the fifth dimension to me it's always about descending <laughs> yes descending and i say that they're they got it all wrong and those people are more likely to become completely delusional and disembodied so the like for me spirit is all about bringing it down into mm. earth making it practical and that the biggest divinity we can find is in each other mm. and in in the plants and the trees and the animals and and um and we just we just had too many thousands of years of people um you know kind of demonizing earth practices and it's just so rude it's cut us oh, off so rude absolutely because i do rude. think something i i feel very strongly about is like the idea of manifestation and you know people like you say zip off to the fifth or sixth dimension or wherever they're off to um mm-hmm. but for me manifestation it's like you have to be embodied on the earth because we're exactly. trying to manifest make manifest something that we want to yeah. touch and hold which exactly. is on the earthly plane so, exactly yes, I yeah and I, I and when i'm you know counseling people and i know that there are it, it depends on you know there, yeah there's there's yeah there's so many people you know that are talking about, you know, they're, they're channeling in this dimension and helping on this plane and doing, doing this over here. And, you know, they're feeling really good about it. And then I go, how's your relationship and how's your cash situation? And a, a lot of times, like nine out of 10 times, people who overly focus, it's a shit show down on the ground. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have to really take that. You could be the most amazing psychic, but if your life down on the ground isn't supporting you, yeah, you know, it's like come down to earth, like be a part of participate here. I read this quote, and I don't know where I had seen it, but someone was quoting someone else. Um, but I, I can't, I don't know where who I can attribute it to, but I'm sure someone listening can tell me. And it said, Everybody wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mum with the dishes. Yeah. And I just think that's so true, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, I want to save the world. And it's like, well, start with your own family you know yeah. start with your own life first of all exactly. sweep the street I, I uh my sisters whenever they go to the beach with their children every t- and they live in Cornwall so which is full of beaches and they live on the beach every time they go to the beach every time they leave they take five pieces of litter with them all of the family I and mean, like we, we always do that now too it's like whenever you go somewhere it's like you clean up a little bit of mess even if it's not your own you know yeah. and it's just like what is it you can do in your own environment and I think that's so important it's like being contributing to the world to the land to the the people in your community people yeah mm. oh i uh, agree ah uh, yeah let I, us so, know a whole other topic <laughs> yes i know it's like i know i know that we're coming up to time right now um for you but tell us where people can find you obviously the book is called angel wealth magic available everywhere where people can find good books I'll put all of your information in the show notes, but where can people, what's the best place for people to come and connect with you? Yeah, well, they can go to my website, Corinne Grillo, C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O.com. And I am in, you know, all these little social media places. I, I do a lot on my Facebook uh, page. I'm going to start, you know, amping up a little TikTok. Um, and I'm going to start a series called The Angels of um, illumination pretty darn soon but if you want to find out about 
or get on my list for upcoming retreats that I'm doing. Um, and I do a lot of shamanic work up, up there and teach people how to reconnect with their indigenous roots, no matter where they're from. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of that stuff out there too. So, um, so yeah, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and your journey with us. I'm quite excited now to go away and go, hey, angels, I'm Rebecca. Good to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> and I start know. building that relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry I judged you guys. Sorry. So sorry. Please forgive me from 20 years ago. That's <laughs> like, I, I haven't been judging that long. I am. No, so but judging. I mean, you know, you're working. You're totally working with us. You're totally, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's angel stories now. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I because like you, it's like it's so ridiculous. I mean, like, I'm so happy to say to someone, oh yeah, there's a dragon in my room right now. It has this message for you. Or like, oh yeah, the other day I saw all these like gnomes walking around my front room, as you do. But I'm like, oh, angels. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear. So yeah, I clearly know. I still have a bit of energy there to to shift through. I as, know. As oh. I can feel them laughing at me now. I'm like, yes, I, I love know. it. No, Thank yeah, you. I love it too. Yeah, I just had a bunch <laughs> of gnomes show up a couple weeks ago too in my yard. Yeah. There's all these little, it was so great. I mean, we can talk offline, but it was like, uh, and then whoa, uh, I learned so much. I was wow. Yeah. It lifted my body and like it was just like, oh. So I had a good. floor covered in them, and I, I said, "This is like I, I know I often see things and hear things, and I'm like, oh, that's a little bit way out." And I just sat there, and I sat in my chair, and I saw these gnomes, and I was like, "Are they there? Have I? Is this it? Have I actually tipped over the edge now?" And I, I looked at my pretend <laughs> husband. He's, he does exist. We're just not married, but you know, been together forever. And I just looked at him, and I just thought, ah. Oh. And he spoke to me and I'm like, oh no, it's fine. I'm still here. <laughs> it's just like I had all these gnomes. I'm like, where, where have these come from? And it turned out that they had been living in someone's garden who had recently died in the area that I live. So they've taken up residence here now because they want a little bit of TLC. So I'm like, now oh, I feel like I'm babysitting these gnomes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come so here for cute. some love. Yeah. <laughs> like so I'm taking sweet. care of them. Yeah. yeah but I, I had to angels. do some research. <laughs> I did do some research. Like, I'm not sure if you're gnomes. What are you? Um, yeah. But they were, yeah, they were, I they're there. They were powerful energetically. I was just like, oh wow, God. I'm digging it. Thank you for coming. Stay. They make things happen. But right now I'm looking after them and I'm like, hey, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm sure it's the other way around as well. I but know. yeah, I know it's amazing. I love opening up to that whole other world. And like I say, I'm like, oh yeah, gnomes, no worries. And I'm like, oh. The angels, no. Rebecca. <laughs> I know. I mean, to me, it's like meeting family members, like new yeah. family. Oh, my, my extended relatives, the gnomes. Nice. I know. Nice. I saw this saw this quote once, and it says, um, "Witches are never alone." And it's so true, isn't it? You're talking to the trees, to the animals, <laughs> you know, the birds, anything that comes away. Angels in the messenger form, all of it. I, I, anyway. I don't kick. Yeah, I don't kick any helper out of bed. I like <laughs> here to help. The answer is yes. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, you want to show up. There we go. Yeah. I've just had a feather just fall down beside me. I. Well, there we go. <laughs> just now? It was a little brown feather. I'm like, I don't have any feathers in this room. That is pretty crazy. And I on that know. note, <laughs> I will no longer laugh at angels. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so I'll put all of your stuff, it, all of your links, everything, the book links, all of it in the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh. I'm looking forward to doing your 11, 11 day wealth ritual. So thank you very much. Ah, thank you. Let me know how it goes. I will. I will. <laughs>